Oh, you mean a 211? Yeah. There's a store, but don't point. Walk inside, straight cases joint. One man behind a counter, another in the back. Go out through the car and load the gap. Grab the ski mask, here's the task. Going broke, come out with cash. Hell yeah, you gotta be cunning. Toe case, yeah, to leave the car running. Walked in, said this to the robbery. I did not know the money, it's just a hobby. Fill the bag, hold back. <laughs> I usually start shutting it down when I get a little bit too hyped that I start forgetting the words and stuff. But, you know what? I've been sitting here all day in this fantastic-ass mood. You know, it's a beautiful day out here in California, in the Bay Area. This past weekend was a fantastic, momentous-type occasion for me and my family. My 18-year-old firstborn was delivered to the city of Corvallis, where Oregon State resides, and she fit in just like the perfectly placed gym on a ring. And we, it was sad, obviously, bittersweet, but for 18 years, me and her mom put everything everything into building a fantastic model for this world. And when I look at it, her as we were spending the last days with her during the, the drop-off time frame, I just knew that we had accomplished our goals. This girl is so well off, so well-rounded, just a special, special personality on this girl. So kind, so respectful, but so sharp and focused. And she's ready. You can tell, obviously, she's gonna miss her family. She's gonna miss her dad, her mom, her little sis. But um, just in contact with her. Now she's already kind of finding her new family with the Oregon State track team. They have a great coach. Like where our tie-in is that we both went to Northern Iowa and we both trained under the, the great coach Bucknam, who's the Arkansas track coach and won all kinds of championships. This dude is freaking legit. And me and coach Huber all kind of learned from the great Chris Bucknam. So it's a fantastic uh, uh, circle of life. And so I'm in a really good mood you know, um, at the same time, though, I'm breathing a sigh of relief. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can take a break now because she's on her own. And the, the months that we did uh, prior to getting her there were very tough. And just everything was thrown in there from graduation parties to her birthday was mixed in there, too. So we had birthday parties and her senior trip was mixed in there. So she did a cruise, a seven day cruise without us. That was the first time she's ever done something like that without me and her mom or her family, but she went with her friends and that was stressful, but it was uh, it was necessary too. So she passed all these pre-tests, I think, to help her get ready for this major test, which is real life. Reason why I came in with that song, uh, NWA, because it's just like, when NWA came out, it took the world by storm. You know, the brothers who put themselves together in the, from Compton and made that group, in my opinion, paved the way for a lot of us young black kids who were not quite knowing what would inspire us. Not that I would ever want to be a gangster, and I know that's what they preach about. I found the happy medium where I, I look into the, their music. They had some some rhymes and some some lyrics in their in their songs that were just flowed so well. And I get into all that stuff, you know, I'm, I don't care. I'm not going to be doing anything about going up to nobody and doing drive-bys and that type of crap, you know, I mean, that I tune all that out. But the, the part is just like, it flows. The beats are funky. Each one in the group has their own fantastic style. My favorite guy out of the group, obviously, you know, I mean, everybody's going to say Easy e for obvious reasons, but... Uh, it's shoot, it's hard for me to say which one I love best, but if I'm going to pick one, it's MC Ren. You know, one of his hardest lines was in there where he says, R-E-N spells Ren, but I'm raw. 
I say that line all the freaking time, and um, you know, it brings me back. So where do I get my strength and my motivation and my power from? I always go back to my old school days when I was like this young, like little knucklehead, not knowing where to go with life and everything and stuff like that. I was surrounded by this type of music. Rap music just kind of started out and everything, and it was inspiring. Again, like I would never, ever uh, condone any type of gang type activities. Shoot, I spent 20 years as a police officer doing everything I could to take gangs out. You know, I don't approve of that. But I really do like the style that came with the, the NWA group. So I still, to this day, listen to their music and all that stuff. So it, and it brings me back. That's why I, I'm, I'm in such a good mood now, right now. Because, uh, you know, when I reflect with everything that I've been through, uh, to be able to put everything on the back and burner and kind of focus on what's important, which is my firstborn 18-year-old young princess getting out there and getting ready for college and seeing that her, you know, making sure she had two perfect role models to get her going which would be me and her mom uh we had to we had to stay on our game man i mean that's that's what's so critical about this world when i look at this this generation man the parenting has been failing on a lot of levels man and if i'm gonna bitch about that i i, I have to make sure that i'm not uh being part of the problem either so i can relax now really and now i can focus on my 14 year old and make sure that she's the next one in line to get ready to get out get shot out into the world with two fists out ready to roll and fight and do what she needs to do but for right now she's gonna be the baby uh she's the baby anyway but right now we can uh, kind of like slow some things down and focus now on her make sure she has everything she needs it's obviously upsetting for her to come back home from school and her her big sister is no longer in the room right next to her so that's sad um but it's a beautiful part of life at, at the same time so you know i always want to start or mix in some elements of my podcast that uh, are beautiful and cool and fun-loving and, and entertaining and all that stuff, because more than likely my topics are going to be a little bit kind of like dreary, kind of like oh shoot, I never thought about that, kind of sad. So I always like to let let everybody know and remind everybody that that life is what you make it. I choose every day to uh, look at all the positives that are out there even though that I have been through a lot of stuff, seen a lot of stuff, both through in the NFL, the time in the NFL, the ugliness that comes with the NFL, the time that I spent out there in the streets and stuff, you know, I mean, seeing people die. Uh, I remember once going to a call where it was a car crash and this lady was still stuck in the car. The whole front end of the car was smashed in and it was up against her chest. She was pr compressed up against the steering wheel, but she was like, she had, she was like, she was screaming out and she was at, yelling out for help. And just the damage of the uh, to the front of the vehicle was so severe that there was nothing anybody could do. Uh, you would have to have the fire department come in with the jaws of life, and the fire department wasn't there just yet. And I didn't know at the time that she had mere seconds to live uh, because so much of her internal organs had been destroyed and smashed because of the impact of the steering wheel into her chest that that she was bleeding internally and inside and there was nothing that anybody was going to be able to do to save her life so 
um, those type of things stay with you. And um, I, I wish that there were, I wish I had some type of superhero powers uh, to be able to tear off that door, pull her out of that car, and and but in reality, even if even if I was able to do all that stuff, their mouth to mouth wouldn't have done anything for her. So you know. You know, I, I don't know. So, some of those things kind of just stay with you and you go through like, uh, you know, phases in your life and everything. I mean, shoot, I'm an old man now. So I've seen pretty much a lot of good things, a lot of uh, enlightening things, a lot of things that, are, that, that educate me, a lot of things to kind of inspire me and all that stuff. So with my podcast, I'm able to share that with my listeners and kind of connect with my listeners because these guys have always been there for me. And one thing you guys know about me is I, I surgically remove all the people who are bad for my, my way of life or my well-being or whatever. I, I systematically remove those type of people and I surround myself with, not, with people who are positive and bring nothing but positive things to life in general. So with that, you know, why am I kind of setting the tone for that? Because I'm probably going to be talking about a subject matter that, that's very distressing to a lot of people, to a lot of other people. They probably don't even know that, that something like CTE or um, ALS, Parkinson's disease, Alzheimer's disease, they probably don't even know stuff like that exists. Uh, why am I bringing up those conditions? Is because um, as a football player, you become exposed to those type of conditions probably like a 10 times more uh, regulated rate than normal because you're running out there and your brain is getting smashed as you're making these fantastic tackles, flying over people, doing flips and stuff, and then coming on in and then knocking the crap out of them. But at the same time, you're getting your brain uh, bumped around up there too. You know, uh, so there's downfalls that comes with being on that gridiron as well. And um, what made me start thinking about that again was the last two games for the Raiders, two of their players, two of their star players have gotten their bells collapsed. <laughs> um, and I'm not laughing at them or anything like that. I mean, it's not anything funny. But uh, I remember the first week with, I believe his name's Jamari or J Jacoby. You know, but he's a solid receiver for the uh, for the Raiders. He was brought in from the Patriots. Um, and he's been balling, really. And then so not this past game, but the game before that, I remember watching the play. And I looked when, I, when they did the replay and then slow motion for the hit that he took. He got clapped. And he's on the ground. The, the camera did like a close-up of his eyes. And I literally said, oh, shoot, he is out. Because although he's, his eyes are wide open, if you look at his eyes, they were like in a way that he literally didn't know where it was at. I would not be surprised if he thought he was on Mars and he thought that and the people around him, the doctors and the trainers were like aliens trying to like steal his skin or something like that. And he was about if, if it wasn't for them calming him down, he was probably like, whoa, man, what the heck? You know, I mean, that's scary, scary stuff. You know, and then um, uh, Mr. Adams took a hit this past weekend, too, that was a pretty solid hit to his head, too. The different uh, protective measures that they have in place now in the NFL makes me believe that these two, are, these two gentlemen are going to be just fine. Totally believe that. But back in the days when I was out in the field, shoot, if you got your bell rung and you were able to kind of like look and talk to the doctor... And it was no fault of their own. I mean, it was just, that's just how we rolled. I mean, if you got hit and you got a con concussion or you got your bell rock, you know, if you were able to answer the questions pretty well, they just kind of like make you, let you take a playoff here and there. And then they, you know, I mean, uh, 
you know, put that little smelling stuff in front of your nose and then you, okay, all right, yeah, I'm back ready. And then they put you back out there. You know, I remember one time I got blasted by this Denver Bronco linebacker. And this was on special teams when I was uh, uh, running a kickoff or when we were running a kickoff back and Napoleon Kaufman was back there with me. He got the ball. So I was lead blocking for him. And, and the only thing I remember was the next day when we were watching film, seeing myself crawl off the field. <laughs> Everybody else was cheering because Napoleon hit that sideline after he cut off my block where I got killed and he was gone. The UPC people in the side or in the stands like cheering him up and there you just the just environment is just ferocious. Everybody's like yeah, you know, and they're the people on the sideline on our on our team are just leading Napoleon down to the end zone and it was just incredibly a joyous moment but you look back and you can see me from that sideline cut I'm the only one laid out in the field with my arms stretched out on the turf so but I was able to figure out how to crawl off the off the field and get back on the sidelines and you know I I got back out there after that but I do not remember that play I can kind of remember a big old dude that resembled a like a you know a Yukon uh, ex or an expedition coming at me that's what he looked like but he was wearing a Denver Bronco uniform and then that's all I remember he put my shoulder or head down and that was it you know and but that comes with with playing football I can neither confirm or deny whether or not that I have been um, uh, diagnosed with what they call CTE, which is what I brought up before. So CTE, I don't even know how to say the thing right, but it's chronic T something, E something. And <laughs> it really is those, the words that are attached to those, the CTE really are some hard terminology, man, that it's just, and, uh, and basically what it is, is you're suffering from um, uh, certain symptoms, like, like say uh, memory loss, your cognitive thinking is very much affected, uh, you're moody, you're, there's all kinds of other symptoms that comes with it. Uh, you know, I did a, I did like a little mini documentary on it and Antonio Brown is kind of featured in it because it kind of highlights and it touches and touches on like, why is this dude doing all the bizarre activities that he's doing right now? Does he have CTE? My money is on 100% yes. Because there's no explanation for the guy to be doing the what he's doing. Uh, his brain is just not quite right right now. There's a short circuit going on right there, and it's telling him to do stuff that just doesn't make any sense. And it's it's almost like the movie Smile. If if anybody's seen that movie before, uh, it's a fantastic movie. Storyline is is very very gripping, and a lot of the action that happens is because of this whatever this thing is. It invades these people's bodies, and it makes them do stuff that basically designed to kill themselves you know and the thing about it is it takes a minute for it to fester and to blossom before they kill themselves so they're doing stuff that are so odd and bizarre that their family members are looking at and like what the hell are you doing like they're seeing things uh they're hearing voices stuff's telling them to put their hand in the middle of a fire because they think that it's a running water or something like that and then it's but instead of running water it's actually fire so they do it in front of family members and they're like, what the hell are you doing? 
That's what's going on. That's what CTE does. Your, your brain is damaged. And if you're not aware of that and you don't address it, you're basically going to go down the road that if you watch this documentary and I can attach it to this podcast, it's called The Snake That Almost Got a Person. You know, you'll see that there's other stories, many different other athletes who have fallen victim to this. You know, I mean, they've, there's stories of guys who played 10 plus years in the NFL back in the days and they flat out just lost their minds and one dude killed himself by drinking a whole gallon of uh, engine coolant and he died. There's other ones where if you see these uh, videos where uh, a, a guy would lose his mind and he's riding in a car, he did a crime or whatever, and then now the police are chasing after him 100 plus down the freeway. And then rather than pulling over and giving himself up for whatever he did, he veers over to the left and smashes into a car, killing himself. You know, it just the list goes on and on and on. So again, guys, I was telling you I was going to bring up some subject matter that might be a little bit depressing. But at some point, this stuff has to start getting out there. And again, like I said, I might be the advocate for this type of thing. Like I said, I'm not saying if I have any type of symptoms like that, but I will say I have a lot of knowledge because of how I, the stuff that I've read and some of the things that I've been exposed to. And I know a little bit about CTE. And so one of the things that they, that they always said, and that's changing because of the advancements of the tests and medical uh, advancements, I guess, is that you couldn't be able to determine if you had CTE unless you were dead. So then they would take your brain they slice into your brain and then they analyze it. And then of all, a lot of about 93%, and I might, it might be more than that, but at least 90% of the, a lot of those uh, cases where I was just explaining where athletes had committed suicide, Junior Seau, same thing. Many other ones, when they study their brains, like 90 plus percent of them had CTE, which is very haunting and very scary, but it's very, very real. You know, I want to be part of a panel one day where we we figure out how to limit that but again i want to give credit to the nfl because what it sounds like that they're doing uh safety measure wise seems to be very effective with making sure that these guys brains aren't getting bashed around because if you look at it how it was explained to me while i was sitting in with a friend or whatever who might have cte rams they smash into each other to kind of like uh bid for dominance and stuff of the uh, herd or whatever so you have two male rams with these big old horns and these big old thick skulls and then they go and they smash into each other, right? And then whoever gets knocked down is the loser. And then the the, the one standing up is, is the king. So, and they do that all day sometimes and stuff. Just go back and forth, man, boom, boom. And then some might get challenged and it's like the last one, you know, standing is the king. So you, if you look at that, like, how are these guys able to smash their heads into each other with no effect whatsoever? And the easy answer is, is that their brain is attached to a stem that's completely uh, void of their skull. So when they, when they smash into each other, their brain stays static attached to that stem, which is on their, this back side of their head, and it's not affected at all. Well, a human's brain is not attached to anything. So if it's like floating around in there in fluid. And so when you smash into each other headwise and you get your bell rung, it's because your brain just got done getting smacked against the, the wall of your skull. And it, that causes damage, obviously. So if you keep doing that repeatedly, repeatedly, your brain is gonna suffer some nasty, nasty damage. So like I said, there was a time where you couldn't figure that out until the person was dead and then you'd remove the brain. 
but things have advanced so much thanks to like the San Francisco, you know, medical center out there, UCSF is they've done a fantastic job with, with studying live players and being able to come up with like tests that can determine that this person has CTE right then and there and they're still living. Why is that important? Because CTE is the root of everything that's around like the NFL concussion lawsuit that they have going on out there. Uh, the NFL concussion lawsuit was brought up like multiple years ago and a group of former players got together and they sued the NFL because they were all experiencing uh, all these symptoms that were related to the continued pounding of their heads and brains out there in the football field. And, uh, you know, they couldn't live normal lives. They were losing families because of just, uh, they're depressed. Their, their anxiety levels are just off the charts. They're just sick people at that moment, you know? And they can't get the help that they need. No one understands what's going on. And so their behavior becomes so erratic that they just deteriorate and to the point where they literally have no other choice other than to commit suicide. I play with uh, Rasham Shalam. Um, and although it sounds like he shot himself in the head and they weren't able to study his brain, if you listen to some of the family members' stories, his behavior was very on point with someone who is suffering from CTE. So CTE is the main root, but then there's other conditions that come from that. And I'm not trying to upset anybody. Uh, again, I tell you guys all the time, my podcasts are designed to educate people as well. So when it came down to the studies and this concussion lawsuit, they broke it down into like five sections. You know, um, dementia is one section where your your memory is is affected, and that's kind of like the low end for to be rewarded at like a settlement, I guess, from this concussion lawsuit. So dementia is one, and that's the lowest one. Then I believe Parkinson's disease is the second one and Parkinson's disease is very similar to um, very similar to dementia but there's other things that comes with it uh, you lose a lot of different uh, abilities to you know to smell lose a lot of different abilities to kind of like uh, you, you have body aches you uh, your hands start shaking or trembling and all that stuff you can't walk right your gait is really tight and your posture is slooped over and so a lot of players who played in the NFL they end up obtaining that disease so Parkinson's disease would be the second tier and then you get a third tier would be I believe Alzheimer's disease right Alzheimer's disease is, is a more advanced thing of dementia you know that a lot of there's a lot of cases where where some of the former players have suffered Alzheimer's disease and then they've won their awards and um, each one is a more like a million dollars more for Alzheimer's than the fourth one. And I'm going to talk about this one because I saw firsthand someone who suffered from ALS and it's the Lou Gehrig's disease. And it's a horrible, horrible disease. It's something that pure torture for the victim who has ALS. And I, like I said, I, I saw firsthand someone whose body slowly but surely deteriorated to the point where they ended up dying. And ALS is something that's, you, at some point, it's just, it's gonna take your life. And you start losing your ability to speak, walk, you can't control any, any of your extremities. Uh, it's a horrible, horrible disease. And like I said, all your muscles just stop working to the point where you're gonna have to have a breathing tube. And then at some point you, end up, you just end up dying because you can, you can, it's just a horrible, horrible disease. Uh, so ALS would be the fourth stage. And then like the fifth stage is basically like the top one. 
is when you it's the top award, I guess, in, in terms of like the NFL concussion lawsuit is that anytime you die and your and your brain gets removed and then they discover that you had CTE, then your family re is rewarded with the, the highest amount. And I believe that's four to five million dollars. So that's how this works. I mean, a lot of people don't know that, you know, one of the things about the NFL lawsuit is it seems like it's coming to a close and a lot of the people who were part of it once they started kind of uh, finding out that the NFL was trying to rob these victims of their settlements by this race norming test that they did meaning that that they were saying that the black players are not as smart as the white players so their cognitive thinking is already kind of on a lower scale than the white players so when they did the testing prior to this group of uh, former players figuring it out and, and um, raising it to the judge, they were, they were denying a lot of the claims that were being submitted to them. And so a lot of these former players for three plus years were being denied their settlement of millions of dollars because of these tests that were unfairly set up. After that happened, they it was brought to the judges, and then the, you know they went back to the courts and stuff. And then now they ordered the NFL and their doctors to to do to do it in a more fair way. And I heard a story once, and I brought this up before. I heard a story once of a of a testing that was being done through the doctors that were designated by the NFL. And so that you go in go in there. Or they went in there and then the, and the neurologist said, hey, uh, so they checked this, they checked that, they checked your eyes. <laughs> they, like you're doing an eye exam. Hey, watch my finger. Uh, nothing, okay, it's good. Um, here, let me check your ears. Uh, do, you hear, do you hear me? Uh, yeah, 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 okay, all right. Um, let, me, let me just stand up right quick. Yeah, stand up. Uh, all right, uh, walk back and forth. Okay, all right. And then, and then that's it. And then their results when they do the report. Yeah, no, this guy doesn't have dementia. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's a true, true story. So that's how they were doing things. They were, they were just denying things through, they were being paid off, basically. These doctors were, were breaking the law. They were being paid off. They had been paid off by the NFL to overlook some of the other symptoms that these NFL players, former NFL players, were displaying for their own personal gain because they didn't want these guys to get paid. They were waiting for them just to either go away or, you know, give up or whatever and then just kind of like pull out of the whole concussion thing so they didn't have to pay them. Why am I bringing that up? Because like I said, I cannot confirm or deny if I'm part of that uh, concussion lawsuit or not, but I can tell you what, if I heard something like that, I'm the type of person who's gonna like stand up and say, no, F that, we're going after the NFL. We're not gonna let these guys get away with that. Because what broke my heart is one day I met a guy, his name is Kevin Turner. Oh, I'm sorry, I have to say it like this. His name was Kevin Turner, right? He's no longer with us. So if a guy like me finds out that um, you know, what the players back in our days suffered, which is like these, these concussions and all that stuff. And we weren't told about the effects of your brain, of what will happen to your brain if you're not taking care of it. If you get knocked out, you have to do protocol type safety measures, meaning you probably should be sitting out a couple weeks and all that stuff. You can't go right back into the game. You know, that's, that'll make a difference. But back in those days, 
there were no safeguards, so there was nothing monitoring a person to go uh, back out there. I remember back in the days when I played against against uh, who did it, we were playing against the Rams, and after I got blasted by Dre Bly back in the days, and I laid out on the laid out on the turf, and then the doctor asked me like, "Hey, how many fingers I'm holding up?" And I said three. Okay, uh, where are we right now? Oh, we're in St. Louis. Uh, okay, cool. Uh, and who am I? And I said, "You're the dean of the university, right?" <laughs> It's like, all right, he's done. It, you know, and I literally don't know how that came out of my mouth. And, you know, thankfully, obviously, I didn't get back out there that day. But had I said, yeah, your doctor, I would have, they would have given my helmet back and they would have got back out there and I got laid out. So those days don't seem like they're there anymore. So, but because I did experience that stuff and I know the effects and I know and I've seen, I've played with players who have suffered dearly. Uh, from Parkinson's disease due to their playing times, from uh, Alzheimer's disease due to their playing time, from dementia, um, and have CTE and have killed themselves due to the play their time. As long as I'm still around and I had the absolute pleasure of meeting Kevin Turner, and I know for a fact that Kevin Turner, since 2016, or actually since he got diagnosed with ALS, he had no ability uh, or minimum ability to be there with his family and be there with his kids, watch his kids grow up, be there to throw the ball back and forth with their, his kids and watch them grow, uh, be there for them, watch them, you know, drop them off at school, at the college of their choice and stuff. He didn't get that opportunity. Let me tell you about Kevin Turner. Fantastic guy. You know, just their prototypical old school baller Running back who's just nice size. I think he played his college ball at Alabama. Just just a fantastic dude. He's a all he was an all American kid. You know, just fit the mold of your perfect Alabama running back. And I'm just gonna throw this out there. I mean, these are you know back in the days. You know, the 70s or 80s or whatever when he was playing back for them. You know, and so he's a white running back. So man, Alabama University, shit, they love that. You know, and so he was regarded as the, the toast of the team. You know, he was a hardcore ball player anyway. You know, very smart runner. He played special teams, I'm sure, all through college, all through. Uh, and they, you know, played some hardcore running plays and stuff like that back in those days, too. But he's, his body started getting a beating, you know, back then. Well, he got ended up getting drafted. I believe he got drafted. I'm sorry, guys, if I don't know the full story. All I know is he went on the plane in the NFL. He played for the Philadelphia Eagles and the New England Pate Butts. And what he did was he continued his play style on a high level like he's always done. Going through the middle, lead blocking, smashing through holes and stuff like that, making badass tackles on special teams and stuff. And he started suffering like blows to the head, concussions, just on a repeated basis, but he would get up and get back out there and all that stuff. This is Mr. Kevin Turner, guys. Just your ultimate warrior on the gridiron, right? Just leading the way for its freaking team. Team freaking captain, just badass. Well, once he started playing, he didn't know at the time that I hate to say it like this, but I can't think of any, any other way to say it, but he didn't know at the time, but he was doomed. He had um, put his brain in such a compromised position from being out there playing that uh, it wasn't until later on after he started playing that he started developing the symptoms related to ALS. ALS is something just, it's a, 
It's I can't even uh, describe how bad it is because it's almost like your body is slowly becoming paralyzed and your brain is very much aware of everything around you, but you can't do anything about it. It, it slowly takes away your ability to walk. It slowly takes away your ability to move your arms. It slowly takes away your ability to talk. You can't move your neck. You There's... All these things just slowly start get, getting taken away from you because you're whatever's whatever internal type thing that happens to your body. And I'm no physician or I'm no doctor. That's the reason why. So I'm not going to I can't give you no full breakdown of what it does. All I know is this. When I met uh, Mr. Turner, it was on a fence. It was a it was a fluke how we met, actually. Uh, we met back in uh, when was that? 2002. I'm mean, sorry. 2012. Right. So my wife um, was uh, Raiderette, and she was, in, I think she started on the, on the squad like in 2000, and then she was a Raiderette like 2000 to 2012, and 2014, I think, was her last year. But 2012, they had a Raiderette reunion, right? Um, and it was like a 50 years since they had their last reunion. So it was a big, big deal. Yeah, so we go out there, and we prepare for the game. One of her friends actually was dating Kevin at the time. So my wife's friend and my wife, you know, planned everything out. So what we were gonna be doing was meeting for this game. Kevin flew out and it was like this, hey, my friend is dating Kevin Turner, a former NFL player. You, you guys are gonna really kind of click very well because you both are NFL, former NFL players. You have a lot to, lot to talk about. He's a great, great dude, sounds like, and, and I'm excited for you to meet him. And I'm, just, I'm excited to meet him too, man, that's great. So, you know, I don't know anything about him. I didn't Google his name. I, I don't even think, you know, well, obviously he had the symptoms at that time, but I didn't, it didn't occur to me that it was as serious as the situation turned out to be. I just remember hearing former NFL player and that was it. We really didn't spend much time on any type of condition he might be having right now at all. So it was a, just a great occasion anyway. You know, the Raiderettes are having a reunion. We're proud for them. We're happy for them. So our job really is just to be there to support them anyway, regardless if it's, your, if it's the husband or boyfriend or good friend or whatever. We're just, our job is just there to support them, you know, whatever they need. So it's about them, you know. And so I remember I, my daughters were very young. And so obviously I knew that I would be responsible while my wife was cheering and, you know, part of the festivities that, that it was my job to watch over the girls and make sure they had everything that they needed when they were hungry, grab them some food and all that stuff. So I knew it was going to be kind of like some challenges here and there, because if you've ever gone to a Raider game in Oakland, it's nuts. It's crazy tailgating. They were known to have the number one tailgating in the freaking league. Uh, just packed with crazy Raider fans who are loud and boisterous and just wild and nasty. And just they just love their team. And it was just a vibrant atmosphere. And it's just always packed with just Raider fans. Anyway, so then here I am, you know, trying to navigate through all this stuff if they were hungry. I had to kind of get through all that stuff or figure out how to feed them. So, you know, but at the same time, it's, it's going to be, it's a great occasion. So I had heard so much about Kevin. Again, I, I was excited to meet him. So I just remember we met um, before the game. The parking was always crazy. We met someplace parking wise, a little bit away from the uh, stadium, maybe off Hagenberger, if people are familiar with that. So, and 
or I can't remember if we even had parking passes, stuff like that at that time. But we were trying to save cars and stuff like that. So maybe one person had uh, the parking pass and they parked one car there. But then the other ones who, who wanted to park outside, it was just one of those things. So we just met in the middle and we were because we were going to be going out afterwards anyway. So we were just trying to plan out like how we're going to do it. So we didn't get what was the quickest and easiest way to get in and get out of this place. It's just going to be so wild and doubly packed because of the, it's a reunion. So anyway, we meet up and I don't know if they prepped me right off the bat, but I just remember Kevin walking up towards us and it was kind of an odd sight because he he, he had a jacket on, but his his arms were seemingly like dangling by his side, really. And so... I'm, I'm quite sure I was prepped that that he was having he was starting to struggle having use of his arms. But I really like I said, I really didn't know to what extent. So when we meet, we talk. Fantastic guy. Great, great smile. Uh, we hit it off the bat and all that stuff from the very, very, very beginning. You know, and so once the girls had to go and, you know, kind of get ready, they had to drift off and stuff. And it was me, Kevin and my girls. And then we had to kind of get ourselves to the stadium and walk in here and there. As I kept looking back, I was just seeing as he's walking, very alert, but he had no ability to use his arms. None. The, his arms were literally limp. He couldn't raise them, nothing. And it, would, it, took, it shook me a little bit, but I'm just like, huh, okay, all right. I was unfamiliar with ALS at that time. I didn't know too much about it. But, you know, and here this guy is, just as sharp as nails and stuff like that. He wasn't bummed out and stuff. But as, so as we were getting closer, he, this is the most amazing thing is that he started asking me to help out. Like, hey, can, can, you, can you put my hat up or can you get this up jacket or can you zip unzip my jacket a little bit it's getting hot and stuff so as we're getting there i'm starting to see like wow okay all right yeah he he has no ability at all to use his arms it was strange to me for a little bit because i've never been in that position before and i, I it kind of caught me off guard i was very i wanted to ask him like hey dude are you are you okay i'm like do you want to like go to a, a bar and just watch the game there so you don't have to go through all this stuff and these big old crowds and stuff and you know you're caught up in the middle of all this stuff i mean we can just go to like the moose lodge which is like right down the road and watch the game there they usually have a nice gathering and he's like no because we have to be there for the for the girls because they do the halftime show he want to watch the halftime show and i'm just like i was i was torn i was kind of in a tough spot i'm just like because for me and i had to be honest if I had no real ability to kind of use my arms, I would want either a family member or something else. I'm not this stranger who he just met to be kind of like, you know, my, the, the caregiver, I guess. But he was okay with that. And as I kept checking with him. And as long as he was okay with that, I was fine fixing his hat and everything. And so we find our seats and get through everything. And, you know, the people, I just remember us walking through the, the stands to get to our seats. Uh, he couldn't really kind of keep his balance because if everything's packed and if he got knocked over trying to get to the seat he couldn't stick his arm out to kind of like brace himself or anything like that so that was another thing and I just felt bad for him I was like wow how are you okay but he still had this big smile on his face and he was just loving the moment and all right we finally got our seats but I'm still looking at him it's like uh I got my girls um soon they're gonna be hungry and stuff so now I'm just like oh when he's hungry what's going to happen and so 
we kind of got that awkwardness out the way. He said he wanted um, some, what are those things called? A fucking cinnamon twist thing. Can't remember the name of them, but it'll come to me. But anyway, he wanted one of those. So he flagged, we flagged down the person for those. He comes over and I had to take money out of his wallet and then give it to him and back and forth. And then once we got the twist thing, I had to hold it up to his mouth to let him eat it. And then I had to peel the stuff back. And, and I, like I said, I had no problem with doing this, but... I'm just like, is he okay with this? You know, and yeah, he was hungry. He 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 was just tearing it up, man. And it was just kind of like, all right, cool. He's this guy. This guy's good to go. What else you need, man? And I can't remember if he, we got some other stuff and all that stuff. But all I remember was once I came to terms with everything after seeing that this guy, hey, he's making it work, man. He's understanding that he's lost the use of his arms. He's he's at this fantastic environment. Let's have some fun. I relaxed and I knew my girls were okay. And then I think they were even sitting on his lap and all that stuff. And just almost like he was like this really close family member and everybody was just kind of like, uh, we, we had fun. It was fantastic. Kevin Turner made a fantastic impression on me because his heart was so freaking big and we were shared stories about everything. It was a great day. The part that I'm mad at is that once that day ended and Kevin flew back home, I would I started keeping up and up track and started kind of like looking more into like social media and all that stuff. And then I then he went on a you know like a, a pilgrimage to to go to the courts and try to change some things about the how things were being done. Uh, I think they were trying to screw him over with with his with his lawsuit. He wanted to bring out more awareness for ALS and all these different things and all these different charity events. Family were backing him up. All these different fantastic foundations were, were rallying behind him. And But he was so far away at that time. I think he went back to the East Coast. So there was only so much I could do. But I, when I Google him, he was, he was the front runner of this movement to raise awareness for this condition for football players all around the world people with, with that condition. But one thing I kept noticing everybody is that every time I'd see him, like a couple months would go by, all of a sudden now he's lost the use of his legs. So now he's in a wheelchair. And I, it just breaks my heart to even think about it. So, but he's right there in the middle of everything. You know, people are pushing him around and all that stuff, you know, and there might be times when he can do a little bit of walking, but then he'd have to sit back down once he got to like whatever uh, forum they was at, I think he maybe he could stand up for a little bit, but he couldn't like actually really kind of walk. So once things started progressing to where he literally had no ability to stand up, then now I see him in a um, electric wheelchair and he has some type of thing rigged where he can manipulate it with his hands. Um, then guys, I mean, it gets it's very upsetting when I think about it. But then I'm going to use his strength because to kind of finish telling the story. So but when he he, you know, his wheelchair is rigged now to where he can kind of, you know, use the little lever to move around and steer the thing. But then that started, he started losing his ability to even move his hands now. And then he started losing his ability to breathe on his own. So now you see these tubes and all these different things hooked up to him in this wheelchair. He went from being, you know, a good size, and now he's half the size, and he looks super thin. His face is drawn in, and he's now, like, kind of, like, compressed in this wheelchair with his neck to the side, head to the side, I mean, and um, all these tubes and everything around him, breathing tubes, apparatuses, all this stuff to help him breathe, and 
he looks so weak, very, very weak, as if he's barely able to hold his eyes open, hold, definitely can't hold his head up very well. So then now you have these, these assistant things to where to keep his head up. And um, when I met him in 2012, Mr. Kevin Turner went through all this stuff, this slow death, his, as he sat there with his brain just as sharp as ever, but no ability to control any body parts of his own. And that went like that for four years, and he died in 2016. So this guy had CTE, obviously, and the only thing that I can see as the silver lining, and like I told you guys, I always try to find the positive and everything that I'm exposed to. The only positive thing is that I think that there was no question whatsoever that his family would be rewarded the $5 million that was owed to him due to his suffering and due to his um, developing CTE from his time on the NFL. Whoo, man. Hey, Kevin, you will always be in my thoughts. You will always be an inspiration to me. Although that I've kind of had to go through similar things, definitely nothing on the scale that you had to go through. And I, like I made a pledge I will be there to the end of my time to take it to the NFL and make sure that they pay the people who deserve their settlement checks. I'll fight them. I'll keep fighting them, man. And we're going to go from there. So in the honor of Mr. Kevin, uh, you know, I mean, uh, guys, hey, listen, that was a sad, sad story that I just got them sharing with you guys. But I want to let you know that Kevin was was the one of the warriors that needed to be there for the NFL because some of these uh, young ball players they don't know what goes on behind the scenes. You know, they really don't. They think you know some don't get CTE, some don't have symptoms, some move on and they carry on in life and they do a fantastic job. And I think that's fantastic. So there, we don't need those guys to jump on in the fight. You know. Uh, necessarily. Uh, but in order for the ugliness to be exposed, we need people like Kevin Turner's to be right there leading the charge so people can see firsthand what happens to these gridiron warriors when they um, aren't taken care of. And again, like if we go back to Antonio Brown, maybe, just maybe, this dude has figured it out that, yeah, dude, you have CTE. You need to go see a therapist. You need to go get prescribed medication. You need to get on some type of program that's going to allow you to figure out how to reunite with society as a whole because you let your whole brain just like your, um, what's, what's the name? Viper. Is that it? Viper? Let me Google that right quick. I think it's Viper. <laughs> so... Okay, so I just kept on Googling it, and um, actually I didn't have to because I remembered it just before I was about ready to Google. I kept saying Viper. No, Venom. Venom, guys. So when Venom came out, it's about this this nasty inner blob that just took over this dude's brain and started talking to him, telling him to do all this stuff, you know, and, and that's what happens when your brain gets compromised from CTE, from what I hear, that is something that just you have a, a limited amount of time on this world unless you figure out how to live with it, you know, and make it make it work. If not, life for you and your family around you is going to be an absolute nightmare. So 
Kevin lived a nightmare and had to go through something that no person should ever have to go through. It's a disease that's just incredibly harsh disease with no remorse, no nothing at all. There's no cure and um, there's no cure for CTE as it stands just yet. Um, no cure for Parkinson, no cure for Alzheimer's, you know, no cure for d dementia. But um, as long as former players are coming to the realization that, hey, man, I, I, something's not right with my head and you seek the help that you deserve and you need and your family needs you to do, you know, gradually but surely you're going to start being able to come to terms with it and, um, you know, and you're going to make sure that the snake doesn't get you. And that's what I'm going to be preaching if I kind of keep hearing all these stories that I've heard from my friends. I'm going to use that information to make sure that I'm helping educate the you know, former football players and the current football players as they progress through their worlds on the football field to make sure that, no, hey, take care of yourself. Take care of your body 100% and definitely take care of your freaking brain. So if there's one good thing that I can leave you guys with, Mr. Kevin Turner is a pillar of strength and hope and integrity because once he got struck down with this disease, he did not let it take him down. He always smiled and I saw firsthand. I had the privilege of sitting down with him watching a football game, my former team. And yeah, was it a little bit strange to, to help feed these, this grown man? Um, uh, a snack at a football game and then kind of wipe it, the crumbs off his face with a napkin. Yeah, but I will always remember that and I will always treasure those days. Uh, Kevin Turner to me meant a lot and it also woke me up to let me know that, hey, this disease is real and all the other diseases that are related to CTE and you have to address it. If not, your well-being and your life in general as a former NFL player will be considered a nightmare. K-Shed, out.